It's the Sports Hub Underground with Matt Dolph and Ty Anderson. Welcome, 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 folks. It's time for another Sports Hub Underground podcast. I am Matt Dolph. I'm here with Ty Anderson as I am every single week. Please rate, review, and subscribe. If you listen to us, if you haven't already, please do that. Uh, I, I believe it. we can trick the, the charts, uh, Ty, on, on the iTunes if you unsubscribe and resubscribe. I know I've been, a, I've been a fan of other big podcasts that have done that, so please uh, do that if you're a fan of ours. Just, you know, just, just click a couple buttons and uh, you know, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and that'll, that'll, that might help our numbers a little bit. Um, so, yeah, we got, we got a bunch of different sports things we want to get to today, but I want to start with um, – uh, just the best way to ruin your day is, is uh, my car got towed this morning, Ty. And there's, there's nothing like your car getting towed to just set you back for a whole month. Um, financially, physically, emotionally, mentally, it's just, it, it's taxing. But um, what happened? Uh, well, it's very simple. My Where I live, I park on the side of the street. There's, there's all kinds of side of the street parking. Um, but there's just one day out of every month where you got to move it by 8 a.m. or else you're getting towed, and that's for uh, for street cleaning, which I found hilarious because, uh, as New Englanders know, um, uh, today, Wednesday, October 27th in the year of our Lord, 2021, we were having uh, the first ever snowless nor'easter, which I, I always associated nor'easters with snow, but I guess you can have one before it gets too cold. And so, yeah, it's like, it's almost like a hurricane out there. Um, you know, it's really more of a wind thing than a rain thing. So, um, so like walking to the tow truck place uh, in, in that nor'easter was really more about the wind than anything. So, which is funny. I thought no umbrella was the move in, in a situation like that because you're just you're going you're to have your umbrella flying around if you do that. So, I just accepted the, the misty rain blowing in my face, which is always a, a pleasure. Uh, but I go to this place down the street where I had had my car towed there before for the same thing. You know, I had my alerts set up and uh, this is the last day that I was going to be able to survive it without getting uh, towed. Yeah, I just missed it by a day. Uh, so that was, that was my screw up. But um, I go to the door of this place and before I even get to the door, the guy opens the door and goes street clean. Uh, yes, please. We don't do street cleaning. I was like, what? but I've, I've been here before. What? And then he said, and he tells me the name of another place. That's, that's who I think did it. And, um, and so I, I took an Uber to this other place. I go into the other place. I don't see my car anywhere in the lot or anything like that. So I was like, all right, here we go. Um, so the guy takes down my uh, license plate, makes a phone call. This is one of those guys where, like, he's sitting behind the glass. He's in there. And he looks like his, his whole body is, like, hanging over the edge of his chair. He looks like the chair is, like, part of his body, one of those people. Yeah, um, but this guy actually helps me. He uh, he actually found the right place, and he's and this is where it started to get weird because he was just like, "All right, you need to go down the street, you take a right at the fire department, and then walk on down the road, and it should be on the right side." And I was like, "All right, I I, I don't know why I'm I don't know why this is turning into like a, a scavenger hunt, just trying to find out where my friggin' car got towed." And so, yeah, and then I, so I keep walking in the rain. I go down to the next place. This place uh, doesn't let me inside. There's a door, and it says, ring the bell. So I ring the doorbell, and I can't, the, the place, for whatever reason, was pitch black inside. I couldn't see inside. But then this guy comes out of nowhere to the door. Can I help you? And I was like, yeah, I believe my car got towed. Um, here's my license plate. He's like, okay, be with you in a second. And it felt like I was out there for like eight minutes. And like, I thought like, I thought like a different person was going to come out and like start effing with me. Like, what are you doing here? What? We don't do tones here. We don't, we don't tow cars here. Why don't you get on out of here? You know, like I thought, like I thought it was going to be like that. And the guy comes out. He's like, all right, give me your license plate. And I was like, what? I, I gave it to you already. And he's like, all right, give me your license. So I give, I give the guy my license thinking it's going to be the last time I ever see it. Uh, maybe the last time I'm ever alive. And he's like, oh, yeah, we have your car here. Oh, good. Just give me another minute here. Goes back in for another, like, eight minutes. And this is where it gets – this is where it's weird that they're not letting me into the – it's like, do you see what's – like, there's, like, a hurricane out here? 
Do you, do, do you mind just like, you know, maybe letting me into your building? I'm not going to give you COVID. I have my mask, you know? So why don't, why don't we do that? This is where I feel like I'm in like an Alfred Hitchcock movie. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen, uh, this isn't a Hitchcock movie. Do you ever see the movie Breakdown with Kurt Russell? Uh, no, no, I have an old one. But um, just think of any movie where like you get lost in a small town and then the citizens start screwing around with you and, and then you, you don't even, you start questioning your own sanity. And it feels like everyone's out to, everyone's plotting against you. This is what this felt like. It took me about like three hours just to get my car back from the friggin' towing company. And I, like, I thought a guy was going to come out and be like, no, your car's not here. Got to go down that road over there. And, you know, like I thought it was going to be one of those situations. But um, yeah, I finally got my car back. We all lived happy, happily ever after. But yeah, that's a great way to start. A, it's a great way to start a nice busy day for me. Yeah, I mean, I... I... You have me paranoid now because I haven't been outside today. I wonder if my car is still there. I live on a side street, though, so I don't know if that's if that's. Uh, I, but it's well, where I like, park, the, the the signs are clearly marked. So I mean, it was my mistake. Like I should have known that that was the day uh, that I had to get up. And yeah, I'm not blaming anyone but myself. But I just like, I thought eventually they were gonna like bring me to the car and then like you know gag me and throw me in the river. That's what it felt like it was turning into. Yes. Yeah. That that's. Yeah, every every time you're every time you're uh every time you had an interaction with the character in the story, I imagine them being Herman Munster uh in Pet Cemetery. So so it does it does yeah, work like, out. I thought like an old guy was gonna come out and be like, No, we don't have your car here. You need to go to our friends down there. And it's like a dark, like forest dirt road. And it's like, all right, maybe I don't need a car at this point. <laughs> yeah. When you're what was that first thought like? Were you like, did someone steal my car? Or did you know that your car was towed? No, I figured the, no, the, the streets were like empty. So I, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, everybody got towed. Yeah. <laughs> I think like there were probably dozens of cars that got towed that morning. Have you ever been at Revere Beach at like two in the morning when everyone's at Kelly's? But no. All of a sudden like 25 tow trucks come flying down the road ready to tow you guys. It's like, it's like the worst way to end like a good night. You're like, ah, I'm going to have some Kellys by the beach. It's late at night. We're all friends. And you just see the, the line of tow trucks like, all right, everyone run to their cars. I guess the night is over. Oh, yeah. I mean, someone like me who's like, it's not the best with money. It's something like this. It's like, this is like a month ruiner, something like this, you know? But, um, oh, yeah. yeah I no, shall no. overcome. I'm alive. Yeah, and how it's good. They didn't murder me. So that's about it with uh, that whole saga. Um, I just, I had to get that off my chest. That was just weird. Um, uh, you wish you you wish your car would it would be easier to find your car in a situation like that because you're already it's funny like the second place i went to had a whole like sign on the door it's like if you yell or swear at the people running these buildings you are subject to fines and you know we're gonna call the cops on you buddy and it's like it does make it's is funny like it would be weird to run a business where literally a hundred percent of your customers are having a horrible morning right there's no one oh, yeah. no one's excited to get their car towed They've made a they've made a show out of it. It's they it, it, it used to be like a TV show. The people in like Philadelphia, like parking enforcement, and oh, and, like a reality show, like a yeah, like a, and everyone was like really a pawn angry a pawn stars, but for, for towing companies. Yeah, and everyone was no one was ever like pleasant. Everyone was really no. really angry. No, it does sound like the you know it, it is it is like a job that's perfect for a show like that because you're always going to get freakouts and people losing their minds. Um, like you go in there and you're like, well, hopefully I never see you people again. That's, that's usually the experience when you go to a tow company. Um, it's true. But you know, it's not their fault. Not their fault. It's the stupid laws. That's the fault. That's whose fault yeah. it is. Well, um, it's funny you say this because like, so like you were telling the story and like I said, I got panicked thinking about my car. So I started like Googling, like, me- like, you know, Medford street sweeping, Medford street cleaning. You can't find anything about it, which is like, wow, this is a really difficult, uh, really confusing way of, of conducting yourselves. But probably by design. That's probably I how sh- they want it to be. I shall refer you to the sign, young man. Signs on the side of the street. That's all, that's all you go by, apparently. No, yeah, they charge by like the hour to store it. So they, want, they probably want you to go on a wild goose chase for like three, four hours before you actually figure out where the car is. My God. That's how, they, that's how those places get you. Well, I used to have, so we used to have a landlord um, where I live. We used to, like the company who used to like run our building, um, they were very great. Like, like, so like if, if that was happening, they would have like the maintenance guy or whoever 
uh, put a sign on like the front of the building saying, Hey guys, just a reminder, street sweeping is happening tomorrow. Please remember to park your car on this side of the building or move it to X, Y, Z, whatever the case may be. Now we have this new company that runs the building. That's kind of like absentee. So they're definitely not going to have those kind of signs on our front door. So now I have to be vigilant here and figure out when and where it's going to be happening on my street. No. Yeah. The company that runs my building, like there's been construction going on right next door for like weeks now and it gets extremely loud. And there have been times where they had to shut the water off. They've told us that they're, they've like notified us beforehand that they're going to shut the water off. Like maybe 30% of the time, Mm -hmm. something like that. So, Water shutoff notifications optional. That's enough. Of, that's enough of that saga. Uh, hopefully, that's that can put that in the past and never see those tow companies again. Uh, I want to talk about the hockey team, Ty. It's been a very, very strange start to the season for the Bruins, and it has nothing to do with how they've looked on the ice. It's had nothing to do with the games themselves. It has entirely everything to do with the schedule. Um, they can't, it feels like they play games in bunches. And then they have what feels like a month. It feels like it's been a month since last week's podcast, which we talked literally a week ago. They've had only three games, but it feels like half the season's gone by. And at the same time, they've barely played. So uh, what's that been like on your end? Because I know it's been a little bit of a – it's been a strange time for you just, just covering the team, and you're not alone. This is the thing with the whole beat because of the way that the schedule is right now. The this, this schedule is awful. I mean, it, it's impossible to get in a rhythm you're covering practice more than you're covering games. And this is right out of the gate after a month long training camp. Like nobody's enjoying this. This isn't fun for anybody. You just want games every two days or every other day. Like it's not a hard concept. It's really not. But for some reason, here we are. It's now the season started October 12th, right? That was the first day of the season. The Bruins didn't play until October 16th, which is ridiculous. And now uh, the 27th, they're playing their fifth game of the season. I mean, I mean, it's ridiculous. And then tonight, it's, tonight kicks off at three and four. And then once that's done, they have another five days off. It's, it's just like nothing is working right now in terms of like staying power of stories, uh, coverage, you know, especially when they're on the road. Like it's just very, very difficult to get in any sort of flow right now. And I honestly think relating this to the on ice product, I honestly think that's why you're seeing a rise and injuries on the Bruins right now is because they're going from zero to 60 in the blink of an eye, then back down to zero and then zero to 60 again. And these guys, I I don't think that, you know, I think with Craig Smith with Nick Foligno with Anton bleed, like all these guys are out right now. And I think this schedule is playing a factor. I really do. You sort of think it's like the NFL where they have, uh, they go from no pads to the first pad of practice and you have a bunch of guys tearing their ACLs on those, those first days, sort of a similar thing. I do. I, the well, Felino, the, the, the word on him is that he pulled something. He had a bad pull. Yeah, and part of me wonders, okay, well, maybe, you know, that was your second game of the season. Maybe being off from Saturday to Wednesday didn't help in terms of getting his body, like, because uh, he plays a hard style, you know, and so he goes from, from going balls to the wall in game one, then kind of taking it easy, so to speak, for the next four days then balls to the wall again. Like, that's, that's a hard thing to, to, to sort of do. So I, I just think that this schedule has been a nightmare uh, in so many ways. But, but honestly, it's just you can't get in any flow or rhythm, I think, as a writer and I think as a player as well. Yeah. I mean, I could totally see why that would be the case. And it's obviously been hectic for us having to, you know, cover all four teams. And, uh, you know, you can talk a little more about that later. But, um, yeah, I haven't been able to see a whole lot of the Bruins over the past week because I've been covering other stuff for us, Patriots, Celtics, what have you. But I've seen uh, a little bit, like enough to know that there's going to be some ups and downs maybe across the lineup. Um, I mean, I want let's start first of all with I think what I think is a positive, which is their forward depth and versatility. I think you're sort of starting at our, like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong because you've watched every game and covered them. Like, has that started to sort of, show why they, they went out and made the moves at forward that they did because they've been able to move guys around and, you know, they, they, they've sort of stayed afloat, at least at the forward spots over these last few games with the injuries. Is that what you're seeing? Or just tell me what you're seeing there. Yeah, no, I, I think that's definitely the case um, in terms of like moving, um, you know, like think about in years past, right? Like 
if there was an injury on the right side, what are they doing? They're moving Jake DeBrus to his off wing. And by now, we, we've talked about this before. We all know he's not a right winger. He's a left winger. He, he can't – he doesn't give you what you need on the right side. Uh, but now it's like, okay, now they make the call to Oscar Steen. They, they move Coyle from center to wing. They move Thomas Nosek from the fourth line to the second line. And arguably the second line has been better with him than without him. So yeah. these are just examples of little things they can do, both from a developmental standpoint and a free agent standpoint, where like you can plug and play guys now that you haven't been able to do that before. Right. Like, like think about this, like their last game, they didn't have Felino Smith or uh, Curtis Lazar. That's three fourths of your, of your right, white right wing depth off the board. And they didn't miss a beat. Like they, like they were able to move guys in without completely refiguring their lineup. And that just speaks to what they've done in free agency, right? Like that, that's more than, you know, we talk about losing David Krejci, but having the ability to move guys around, um, you know, like you have a roster full of Swiss army knives, basically, you know what I mean? Like you can put mm-hmm. guys in different spots. So I think that's really playing out for this team in a big way. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. <laughs> Lainey Wilson is on a roll. She's delivering great music and teaming up with some of country's hottest acts. Text Lainey to 45911 to see which four Lainey Wilson collabs have us talking at BackstageCountry.com. Text Lainey to 45911 to get a link to the list sent right to your phone from BackstageCountry.com. That's good. Um, yeah, so it is good that there's sort of, you know, the depth and the versatility has really worked out for them at those forward spots. But I want to move on now to the defense. And uh, I want to talk about a guy who's going to be a lightning rod for the team all season, and that is Derek Forbert. And, like, I sort of predicted this tie. I, sort, I predicted there's going to be times during the season where Forbert has a bit of a, a hiccup. Uh, he takes a step back, what have you, whatever you want to call it. And that happened in the second game of the year in Philly. Apparently, uh, Forbert had a rough night there. But um, it seems like he's bounced back lately. I think he's he, – did he score in the last game or one of the more recent games? Um, yeah, I, know they, first, I know they – First multi-point night since December 2018. So, oh, yeah. quite a while. So, I, mean, I mean, yeah, I know, I know they moved him down the lineup, at least maybe against Philly. I forget when they did it, but they moved him off that top pairing with Charlie McAvoy. I know, like, Derek Forbert's not a top pairing defenseman, and he shouldn't be. Not even – even with the Bruins, he shouldn't be. But – there are going to be times where people are going to wonder why the hell did they sign this guy? I think it's going to, it's not going to show up until in the playoffs when you realize, okay, that's why they signed a guy like that. And I think there's going to be times during the regular season where it gets a little frustrating and, you know, maybe uh, he, he plays the too big of minutes in the playoffs and that comes back to bite them. But I think he's going to be more of an asset later in the year when the games really start to tighten up in, in the postseason than, in the regular season. So for now, we just got to ride the roller coaster. That's sort of, that's just my take on him. Yeah. And, and I think you kind of see, like you said it right there, right? That he's not a top pairing guy, but he can be when you're protecting a, a lead late in the third period. Like that's yeah. when you want to see that switch kind of happen. Like, like I've said this, like I think his best role is on the, on the third pairing, but if you're, if you're protecting a lead late, I want him out there. I mean, he's six foot four. He has a massive reach. Like there was a sequence there where in the uh, Sunday's game against San Jose, it's two two ten left in the third period. I, I marked this in my notebook somewhere. Uh, Kevin LeBanc gains the offensive zone, has the puck, and he's staring down Derek Forbort right in front of him. He has nowhere to go with it because his, his, he's just he's radar sweeping, you know, like the, like the ice just out of reach for him. Yeah, and so he ends up dumping it, and and so now, now he sees possession basically, you know, and the Bruins get it and they get, and they, they go D to D they clear it. They get out of danger there. Like that's an example of what he can do. It's just, he's just so big that it's hard to get around him if he has, if he has that edge on you. So, and there were, there were two instances in that game where, where he made breakups uh, or he went D to D to get it out of danger. Uh, there were three instances of him making that first pass for support along the wall, getting the puck out of the zone. Like, these are things that he can do. So he's going to make mistakes. He's going to ice it. Um, a puck is going to hit his body sometime and lead to a, a chance for, for the opposition. But ultimately, he's going to create blockades, which is what you want in those situations. You want him standing up the other team. So I, I like him in that role, right? Like that final two minutes, you put him out there for half the for, for a minute-long shift, yeah. and then you hope McAvoy 
or whoever can kill the other minute. Yeah, yeah. It's just Cassidy is going to have to move him around, and he's going to have to mix and match his lineup based on the situations and matchups, right? That's pretty exactly. much exactly. And this it's pretty much the hand he's dealt, right? This is what they wanted to do last year with Lozon. They wanted Lozon to be a matchup dependent first pairing guy. It just didn't really work out that way, and it, it, the Grizzly McAvoy combo was just so good that Cassidy was like, "I can't break this up." Like, I, 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 I like this pairing too much to break it up. And Lozon is either hurt or he's had horrible luck this year for whatever reason. So this was always the plan. I think this was their plan uh, with Chara, for example. But, you know, was everyone on board with that plan? Did Chara like that plan? Probably not, right? So made it harder to do it. So I think that Forbort's the kind of guy that that makes this plan doable, feasible, whatever you want to call it for the Bruins. So I like it. He had a great game on, on, on Saturday on Sunday against San Jose. But get ready now for, for a bad game against, you know, a, a great Florida team, a quick-striking Florida team. Uh, so it, it all depends on who he's playing. It really does. Yeah, it's, it's going to be up and down for him. Um, you, you just mentioned the Panthers game. Programming note for those listening right now, Bruins fans probably listening right now, uh, Ty and I are going to do a Bruins post-game show as part of this podcast. So keep listening. Uh, if you're listening right now, it's probably Thursday. And it's going to be the day after the Bruins play the Panthers. But don't worry, later in this podcast, we'll have some post-game thoughts for you from the Bruins and Panthers game. We did a bunch of those in the playoffs. And uh, we're not going to do this with every Bruins game. But, you know, if it's a Wednesday night game or if it's a, a particularly big game against a really good team, uh, Panthers, I believe, are 6-0 and right now. So this is a big game and, you know, a good litmus test for them, so to speak, uh, against one of the top teams in the East. So we're going to have post-game thoughts from that game later in the podcast. Uh, back to the Bruins as of right now, before we jump into the time warp. Uh, Linus Allmark. Uh, turns out he's probably not a bust, you know? Yeah. And it was, I, get, I get it. It's the Sabres, uh, ITS. Uh, Barth and I were talking about ITJ the other day. It's the Jets, which we had to keep saying about the Patriots. Uh, so I guess we have to say ITS. Uh, it's the Sabres uh, with the Bruins. They were 3-0 going in that game, I believe. But, yeah, I mean – you know, I don't want to get too excited about one game, but hey, I think it's only fair. Oh, it's just it's one game against the Sabres. No, 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 no. No, you took you said he was a bust and he was not worth anything. He wasn't worth that contract after three uh, preseason games, three games that didn't count. So, um, you know, I'm gonna give him credit for playing well in a game that did count. Um, Ty, you actually saw most of that game. I saw the highlights. I know he made he made one really nice save to dive across the crease like that. Um, but you saw the whole you saw the whole picture with Lena Solmark. How did he look? He was phenomenal. He was great. And, and and that was a game where the Bruins at times were were drowning against the Sabres. Sabres came with a ton of pace, ton of momentum, setting up camp in front of his net uh with ease, I, I would say. So it was a great game from him. Uh I thought he had a, a solid game against San Jose as well. You, you know, so you look at it and say, that's, it's just the Sabres. It's just, you know, it's just San Jose. No, you got to give him credit for the games he's won. And to your point, yeah. If you were one of these people screaming at me about the preseason and the preseason results, you cannot turn around and go, oh, it's just the Sabres. No, 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 no. That is dis, that is dishonest. That is intellectually dishonest and you know it. Can't have it. So it's not going to stop him from saying it, but like, but no, Olmark has been as advertised in my opinion, the San Jose game. He gets beat. That's a weak goal, the, the first one. Uh, they catch him not hugging a post there. Uh, Jesper Weatherby, who I don't believe is a real person, that was the goal scorer. Uh, definitely just a ghoul from the 19th century. That is, that is a compute, that's a computerized name in uh, like an NHL 2K game, like a fake, a fake made-up player. With his, when you, you get know, like four years in a year. Rotoslav Johnson. <laughs> like, <laughs> just completely made up. <laughs> yeah. James Bufflin. You're like, oh, that's a, that's a common last <laughs> yeah. name. Um, no, but, but, and then the, he gets beat on two deflection goals that I think were probably two of the best deflection goals we'll see all season. So I don't, I don't want to give, I don't want to say he didn't do his job in that game, but here, here's a, here's a stat for you. Cause I know this was coming up on the radio today. I, I, I got texts about this. I, we were in a meeting, so I didn't hear it. You but were coming up on the radio or like. Oh, no, apparently uh, a Mr. Michael, uh, Michael F., Mikey F. and in, in Wellesley brought this up. It's called um, Mike from Wellesley. Mike from Wellesley brought this up where uh, he's bringing up the uh, goal saved above average and using that against the Bruins. Oh, so now analytics. I don't mind him dipping, I don't mind him dipping into analytics. 
but here's the problem is that he's bringing it up in a negative light saying that they ranked very low in the NHL in this stat. Hold on, hold on, hold on. That's because they've only played four games. That's not because they're uh, bad. It's because the sample size is the sample size. So if you break it down per rates and not just in general, Lena Selmark has the 12th best goal saved above average in the NHL. Pretty good. I'd say you're getting your, your, your money's worth right there. Just kiss the other side of my ass with not using analytics. I do Early. love that he's using analytics, but incorrectly. I, I actually <laughs> like that's kind of awesome. Felger's uh, underside of Felger's ass is with open arms right now. <laughs> and maybe he didn't outright say this. Like, maybe he didn't. I, I got alerted about it through text from friends saying, oh, my God, what's he talking about right now? But if this is the crux of the argument, he's got it all wrong because Allmark has done his job, I think. And and, and also, you know who always had a good a goal saved above average? Do you want to know who always had a good one? The guy that he hated. So there's always that, too. Oh, Tuke. Tukes. Um, yeah, no, Mike from Wellesley is probably – he'll come up with a way to say, like, like I don't care if I don't care if he's uh, Patrick Waugh. You know that? I don't care if he's Martin Brodeur. You don't pay that money to a goaltender. Um, that, that's probably going to be the discussion for a long time unless – Unless Allmark, you know, pulls a Tim Thomas. You know, that's, I well, guess that's sort of how it goes. He, he needs to be exactly 2011 Tim Thomas or else it's a, it's a failure. Well, listen, I mean, you kind of saw it in Philly, right? Like you saw the reason why you can't go all in on a 22-year-old with, with 10 games of experience. You, like, exactly. That's yeah. that you, Who knows? Like you needed somebody behind him. And right. Who knows if Allmark is, is, the, is the guy they needed for that type of role, but you can't. Like, I joked on Twitter, like, no, you, you absolutely have to start Swayman 70 games and back him up with a stack of milk crates. That's what I said after he had, had like, you know, gave up the fourth goal of the night, which I think was a bad one, against the Flyers. That was part of the game I was able to see. And, like, yeah, that, that right there, he wasn't going to be – I don't think he's going to be a premier goalie right away. He certainly wasn't going to be a workhorse. So they had to they – that's the spot they were in. They had to get someone at least decent. They weren't going to get someone, you know – cheap off the scrap heap like then then you really have a quandary in that yeah i mean, I mean like and, and and hey credit to Braden holpe for he's had a great start in dallas that was not a project that i think was a worthwhile investment for the bruins you look at his numbers in vancouver and even in washington his final few years not a guy you want to buy in on you know uh freddie anderson uh peter marazic auntie ranta some of these secondary second tier options that people have mentioned injury prone all of them, just like Olmark, but Olmark's the youngest and had the most promising analytics, you know, like the deep dive, the, the, the diamond in the rough kind of aspect. So I didn't have a problem with the signing, and I still don't. I think you're seeing uh, the value that he has here in a more structured environment. I really do. Did he have – was he not as good against the Sharks? Because I remember – this is to the nature of our job here, the 98.5 Digital Department. Barth and I were at the Patriots game that was going on at the same time as the Bruins game. So you were covering the Bruins. I was at the Patriots. And Bart just kept giving me score updates. And if I remember correctly, it was 4-1 at one point, right? And then yeah, it turned well, into 4-3. Like, Allmark played that day, right? Because they stayed with him because he, he was the hot hand. Yeah. Um, and, and, I mean, and did he continue he did. playing well, or did he have any hiccups? What happened there? So those, those were the two deflection goals. They were, like, back-to-back. Okay. So if you can, if you can go watch them, go watch them. Because the hurdle one, uh, the first of the two, was sick. Just a sick deflection that, it, like, I, I, I saw it in real life, like, in real time, and I went, and my first reaction was, wow. Like, I, I let out an audible wow in the press box. I was like, that, that is a great goal to score right there. Um, but that's a goal where Cassidy put that on the defense for not, for not managing the puck properly. Um, but, no, I, I, I think he played well. He had a, he had a uh, save in the late in the second period. Uh, Sharks had a two-on-one shorthanded, which has been a problem for this team right now. Um, they had a two-on-one shorthand going the other way, and uh, uh, Allmark made a big stop on uh, Balsers. So, so uh, I think he had a. I think he had a, not a great game, a good game. Um, no problems. No, no problems besides that first goal. That Weatherby one was ugly. Um, if you go back and watch that, not a great goal to give up. Uh, but ultimately, he did. I think he did his job that night. A no problem. He was he was value add that night. I would say. That's good. Yeah, it was, it's I like thought it was about the Bruins. I haven't seen a single highlight from the Jets game. I have no idea what happened. I, th- I thought it was important for all Mark to, you know, get a good start there after all the scrutiny. I mean, I guess on our end, knowing 
uh, what the media and the fan reaction would have been like if he stunk in those first two games. Um, but I guess Mike from Wellesley thinks he stinks anyway, based on what I'm hearing. But um, BackstageCountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Country music has so many generous artists who always seem to jump in to help those in need. We're spotlighting five who lead by example and lend a helping hand to charitable causes. See who made our list when you text GIVE to 45911. Text GIVE to 45911 and read all about it right now on BackstageCountry.com. Yeah, no, you said you didn't get to see any of that Jets game? That's unfortunate. No, and, and this is a commentary on how far I – sh- I shouldn't say how far, but, you know, I watched SportsCenter being like, oh, I'll get some Patriots-Jets highlights. They didn't play any. Like, they're, they're like that was that kind of game for SportsCenter. Like, eh, no, we're not going to show any highlights. So I was like, I don't know there what happened. plenty of highlights. They didn't even show Kendrick Bourne throwing a touchdown pass to, to Nelson Aguilar. I don't recall. Wow. I don't – I ended up having – I ended up, like, looking up a box score. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I know yeah, nothing well. about what happened. I mean, you don't. We don't need to break down the X's and O's of it or anything. But <clears throat> excuse me, I thought it was important for the Patriots to show that they they are uh, a cut above the Jets, you know, because it was getting a little tenuous there. Uh, they had to pull a win out of their their ass against against the Texans, which was not a good look. Uh, they lost Week One to the Dolphins, and that loss is looking worse and worse every week. Dolphins would be zero and six if not for the Patriots, uh, if not for Damian Harris fumbling at the very end of that game. Um, so yeah, I thought it was important to, for the Patriots to prove that they can outclass a team like the Jets and, you know, we are, we are better, we are better coached and we're going to prove it to you over and over and over again. And I think that's why they poured it on and continued running up the score, which some of the Jets cried about, which gave me some good Patriots nostalgia. I'm sure that was good for a lot of other Patriots fans to, to, to watch that game. And then to hear the complaining after the fact, um, you're professionals, it's your job to stop them. So don't. Blame Bill Belichick for, uh, you know, running it up. Um, and I think Bill has said that before. You know, it's, it's, it was my, it's our job as defenders to stop the other team, and it's their job to stop us. Now, now take this Brian Hoyer to Nikhil Harry bomb to the dick. And that's, that's basically what they did in that game. Um, but I thought, it, I thought it was important for them to show that. Like, I'm not going to give them, like, a whole ton of – not that, like, you act like it's this great, like, victory to beat, to beat up on the Jets – but they did need to prove that they were capable of that. So I think now we can at least think maybe they're closer to the contending teams than the bottom dwellers. And, you know, they, they still have other things to prove. Like they need to prove that they can make big plays when the game really counts. Like in this week against the Chargers will be a good test for that. But um, at least they proved that they're, they're not in the they're – not, they're a level above the Jets at least. So I thought that was good. Yeah, I, I think all you want, right, is like you want a team that is going to at least compete, make it interesting. Like, like you, you don't want to cover a 5-12 and 12 team, you know, a 4-13 and 13 team. It doesn't really sound like a lot of fun. No, so, of course not. No, and, and this – and this, uh, yeah, I mean, that, like that is a win that keeps the, the door alive, like the window alive. I, I, I hate the idea of like I, – I know you said it's the Jets, it's the Jets and two of their wins have come against the Jets. Okay. What are they supposed to not play the schedule? Like, like it, it is what it is. So, you know, now, now they got to beat some, some quality teams, you know, between the chargers, the Browns, um, even Atlanta, while not a great team, I think has played better in recent weeks than, than what we maybe expected. Yeah. Their passing um, game will be tough. So, yeah, exactly. So like you got some challenges here coming up. So and you want to see them like, their efforts against Tampa and Dallas were infuriating because they were good efforts, but you had nothing to show for. It's not like hockey where you get a point, you know, for being close or yeah. whatever or going yeah. overtime. So like, um, you know, that, that part is frustrating, but, but ultimately, yeah. Like if they now comes proving that, okay, it's more than just the jets. It's this team can compete. So I think we're seeing those signs. It's just little tweaks that need to be made, but ultimately it's what we want is we want a football season, but this run here coming up, I don't, I'm curious. I want to get your thoughts on it. I feel like I look at it and go, okay, they could rattle off like a, a little good run here and make things interesting. Yeah, I think they could win, you know, like four out of five or whatever it is. I, I, I don't have the exact schedule in front of me, but I know it's the Chargers, uh, Carolina, Browns. Um, I think Colts Buffalo's in there. In there. The, first, the first Bills game is in there. They could split yeah. with the Bills. Um, they could upset the Chargers, I think, this weekend. Like, they, they beat them 45 to nothing last year. 
you know, could Bill could do something to confuse Justin Herbert and slow that offense down, force a couple turnovers, wouldn't shock me. Uh, Brown's coming to Foxborough. Like, that. that's a game that should be winnable for the Patriots. They're not going to get outclassed by that team. I hope, hopefully not. Um, Carolina has really, you know, taken a sharp downturn after a hot start to the season. So that game now doesn't look as tough as it did maybe three or four weeks ago. So they have a chance here to, to really jump into the contenders if they can rattle off a few wins in a row, especially in, in a game where you expect the other team to win, like especially the Chargers game. So, yeah, no, they have a chance. They just have to they, – they didn't have the opportunity to make a big play at the end of the game in crunch time against the Jets. So they still need to prove that, that they can, um, you know, make those winning plays when it comes to winning time, so to speak. Um, but I think uh, they'll have an opportunity to do that against the Chargers. That should be a, a close game, and, you know, it'll come down to which offense can make the play and, or, you know, which team can make the play when they need to. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited to see what they can do now that they prove that they can play at a high level all three phases uh, for 60 minutes and beat the crap out of an inferior opponent. So that was good to see. Um, Ty, part of me is relieved, relieved that we don't have to cover the Red Sox anymore. I know it sucks that they're not in the World Series. Uh, I know Red Sox fans are probably bummed out because it felt like they were just going to steamroll people all the way to a championship, and they just went poof. The bats just, like, went silent overnight, and that was weird. But, you know, such as the nature of our job, I'm, uh, I'm, I've become a soulless bastard when it comes to fandom. I'm a little relieved we don't have to cover the Red Sox anymore because the Bruins and Celtics season just started. Patriots season still going. We're working every Sunday. We're working six, seven days a week. Uh, I needed, I needed a bit of a reprieve, and um, I'm especially, I've, I've started taking to covering the Celtics like for real, real. And I know people don't come to me to, for that, but uh, my friends, I needed a new challenge. You know, I needed a new challenge. Makes me feel alive. Makes me feel alive, like sort of like the way shingles make you feel alive. But you know, I feel alive covering these basketball games lately. No, I mean, listen, I remember I remember being in that boat in uh, 2017 when I was with the competition. I uh, Bruin season was over, and I turned to uh, my boss at the time, and I was like, hey, I don't want to be just hockey. I want, uh, like, give me something. And he was like, all right, here's Celtics Wizards, you know, the second round series. And I was like, just dive right in. He goes, just dive right in. I'm like, all right. And, and I had a lot of fun doing it. So, yeah, like, those challenges are always great. But the Red Sox playoffs, man, like, I I forgot how long those games are. Like like those games are all four and a half hours. Like well, it's it feel they feel like they're flying by, but then you get to the closing minutes of the fourth quarter, and then it takes like an hour and a half. That's the the weirdest thing about the flow of a basketball game to me. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I mean, and that's sort of like I think it's funny because you could you can pre write like you can write like your entire story but don't make it the lead because it's going right. to be decided in the final two minutes. So like yeah. everything else is just your body basically. Dude, I, I've been like a, these games that I've covered, I've been tracking all these stats and like figuring out who did what in the first quarter, how did the first half go, how did this guy shoot, how did this guy play, the, like what, what are the plays? I need to like pick uh, someone's brain, like Brian Robba, maybe when he's in the building, I'll go ask him like, what do you do when you're at a game store? Because I feel like I had to throw everything out the window once it gets to the final two minutes of the game. So it's like, all right, well, here's the whole game. Is everything yeah. that happens from here on out, and like if you it's a track, blowout, you gotta track runs. Like if someone right. goes in like a twenty-four yeah. to three run, you gotta you gotta look at that run and then figure out what happened inside of that, like shooting wise, and then boom, yeah. there's your summary. Basically, yeah, I'm going back and checking the play by play to track the runs people are going on, and like if it's a blowout game, like whatever happens on that initial run where they build the huge lead, that's basically the whole game there. It's just weird. I don't know. I'm, I have no, I've barely any experience writing an actual like basketball game story. So, you know, maybe I should turn to a, a like a veteran writer for, for advice there, but it's been an interesting, interesting uh, uh, time trying to put those stories together uh, with, without like the experience. But like I said, I like the challenge. I like the challenge. It's been painful at times, but uh, I'm enjoying it. Cause I've, I've written a million football stories at this point, a million hockey stories. So, you know, I want to try something new. And maybe it'll uh, maybe it'll make the other stuff better because it'll you know reinvigorate me so to speak. It's been yeah, it's been no, quite the grind thing. for us. Like, I, and, and here we go, the media guys. Oh, you're whining. You get paid to go to games, dude. Well, first of all, we don't go to all the games. Second of all, even if we did, we're not exactly getting paid to you know sit in the stands and slam beers, just cheering the team. 
the whole time. I think that's a misconception people have. Um, I'm not saying oh, yeah, it's the I hardest. Think- I'm not saying it's it's like a hard, like physical. It's like a demanding job or anything, but it is work. You know, that's, it uh, does that's sometimes. I, suck I try to life. treat it like work because I want I want to treat my readers with the the respect that they deserve. So I want to treat it like a you know a serious piece of work when I put a story together. I it does suck. Like I think people kind of sometimes they misunderstand too. Like like for us, you know, I don't make any mis- I don't make any. I don't lie about who I am and, and my background and whatnot. And, you know, I grew up a massive Bruins fan. It's very hard sometimes to be professional, you know, when you're at a playoff game, game seven, and things are, are not going their way. It's very hard right. to, to, to be totally like stone face basically and be like, okay, no emotion, no emotion, no emotion. Um, that's honestly the hardest part of the job for me. I think like when we've, when like, when, cover a Patriots game I'm, I'm more openly cheering for the Patriots than you know in public than I am the Bruins for example so when when we would cover Patriots games I'd be like all right I got to like put it on lock here but it's funny because you know I think everyone in the press box feels that to some degree think about how many reporters in Boston are, are locally local base reporters we all got pictures of us wearing Patriots jerseys from when we were kids you know what I mean or, or even sure college do. so like you know we all pretend like we're this this great impartial person no we Every writer you read wants their team to do well because it means it means good things for them. Just just please know that. Anyone who goes, I don't really care what happens, they're a liar and they're a bad liar. At that. Yeah, those people are lying and, you know, nobody wants the teams to lose. I mean, that's another misconception that, that some people in some corners of the internet have that like we we like it when they lose cuz it's better for for us for content. It's like, no. A little bit better if they're winning the championship, I would say. Just a little bit than, than sucking. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, more no, it's not, yeah. It's, I'm not, not not trying to like complain. I'm just trying to like you know just talk about the reality of what it's like for us having to cover all the teams and you know the daily grind of all of it. Um, yeah, I could never be a baseball reporter. I think if you told me, I don't. Hey, yeah, I couldn't either. If someone was offering me a full time job covering. Um, you know, whatever, like I'm a Cubs fan. Right. And there was a job opening in Chicago for a Cubs beat writer. And someone I know was like, dude, that's your dream job. And I was like, that's absolutely not my dream job. In case you're wondering, I'm like 160 games a year. Uh, you got to be at the ballpark at 3 PM. You leave it at one in the morning every day. No, thank you. I'm all set. I would need a quarter of a million dollars to do that job, which would not happen obviously. So that's, <laughs> that's why it would literally never happen. There's no way you can stay sane as a baseball writer. no, just no way. Yeah, I mean, just look at Tim Kirkshen. That guy, that guy's got to screw loose. He's, you know, he's only thirty-two years old. Believe it. Or not. Yeah. <laughs> I went to high school with him. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't know it. You're just looking at him, he he is only thirty-two. <laughs> I babysat him growing up. <laughs> hey, yeah. throw! I gotta save in a thirty-to-two game. It's unbelievable. I, All right, thank you, Tim. Thank you. I Here's just can't believe, man. Like it, like any baseball lifer, like hey, congrats to you! Like you're a much stronger person than I am, but oh my god, I I could I could never. I'm I'm honest about myself and and what I can and can't do. Uh, baseball beat writing, something I cannot and will not probably ever do. Right? Yeah, that's. I mean, we're talking about the grind of covering a game that's every two or three days. This is every night with those those guys. So no, um, props I, I, to I, them for getting through that with their sanity intact. I, I assume. And um, the Red Sox uh, being eliminated uh, and the Cubs not making the playoffs means that I will not watch a, a single inning of a baseball game until April 2022 at the absolute earliest. So so that's what that means. Don't care about the World Series at all. See you later. I watched a little bit of it last night. I guess it happened to be one of the innings that Charlie Morton pitched on a broken leg. So, Gregory, uh, Gregory Campbell out there. Charlie Gregory Campbell Morton out there uh, toughing it out. So that, that's impressive. Uh, we can leave it at that for now. Um, you got any more? Uh, you know, any more thoughts before we take off from part one of today's podcast? Oh, part one. We're gonna see my white whale, my other white whale, uh, Alexander Barkov. I was really oh, hoping boy. that he was not gonna sign with the Florida Panthers and hit the open market, and the Bruins would be like, "Hey, his big bag of money, take it, please." Seriously, please take yeah, it. me too. But that did not happen. So that's a good team, man. We're gonna we're gonna get an up close look tonight, but. Uh, that is a, that is a good Florida team, uh, that, that awaits the Bruins tonight. Uh, it would be great though, if the Bruins can bump them off because the Bruins have done, I don't know if you've been following this trend at all. They've been an undefeated team killer, right? 
Yeah, they're the undefeated team killer. They uh, they delivered the Sabres their first loss. They delivered the Sharks their first loss. They're basically Thanos right now, collecting Infinity Stones. I so saw someone did like the their... Grim Reaper meme uh, with yeah. them knocking on the door. <laughs> So, so that's, that's them right now. So uh, we'll see if that continues. And if that continues tonight, it, uh, tomorrow night they play Carolina, another undefeated team. So uh, this could be a little run for them. So instill some confidence and get going. But we're going to see what happens there. I wonder uh, – I do wonder heading into tonight's game, uh, the distraction with Joel Quinville, how that affects the team if it does Oh, true, all. right. He's Panthers uh, head coach. You know, yeah. with Chicago with the sexual assault uh, allegation and, and case fallout. Uh, we'll see what happens there. So uh should be a good game, though. Can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. All right, well, thanks for listening uh, up to this point. Um, but you stay on the line. We're going we're gonna to jump in a little time warp here. And uh, when, when we come back, we're going to be uh, talking some Bruins-Panthers post-game thoughts. So stay on the line, Bruins fans. We're going to have some hockey takes for you after tonight's game. Or uh, I should say... Uh, It's going to be Wednesday night's game. It's going to be Thursday at the earliest if you're listening to this. So, all right, we'll be back in a minute with uh, some post-game thoughts. All right, we're out of the time warp. Uh, Ty, we just traveled ahead six hours in time. And uh, now that we've gotten to try this technology, I I think time travel is a little overrated, personally. Um, you You know how your memories can get distorted, like, you know, it's weird. Like we now have all this experience uh, in our minds, but all we got are the memories. So it's a little weird. It's going to be a little hard to recap this game. We just watched now that we don't really feel like we actually experienced it. Yeah. I don't know what, I don't know what the hell I just happened. What, what just happened? What I just watched. So here we are. Came out naked. It was weird. I'm sorry about that, by the way, but uh, some sort of cyber goo. <laughs> yeah. We, we really need showers by the way. And someone's closed boots and motorcycle right away. Uh, all right. Well, the, the Bruins uh, lose to the Florida Panthers. Panthers are 7-0 and to start the season. They look like uh, the real effing deal there at the top of the Atlantic Division. Um, what's your biggest takeaway from this game? For me, it's uh, the, the first line had a real grind of a game. And uh, to me, it felt a lot like a Bruins playoff loss where, like, when they lose a playoff game slash series, this is what it sort of looks like. Uh, they're a little too small on the back end. The other team is stout. Uh, they give the, the first line just enough trouble, and you don't have quite enough production from the other lines to overcome it. Uh, I'm not going to you know, make any long-term judgments on the Bruins, but do you think this speaks to problems that they still need to fix? Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there, talking about the first line. A good game, not a dominant game. And, and that is sometimes a difference, I think, especially when you're talking about a team that's as deep as Florida. Uh, for me, I come back to what I've come back to now for almost a calendar year is that uh, they are not deep enough on the right side. Uh, Connor Clifton has not had a good season. The, the game-winning goal tonight is another example of his struggles. And, I mean, to get beat uh, that badly on that goal, it, very bad net front coverage from him. Uh, I mean, a guy scores from his knees. You know what I mean? Like, and, and yeah, this is sort yeah. of the problem. Like, like you can't be getting – like, if you're going against a team like Florida and you keep Barkoff off the board and you keep Huberto off the board, you can't be getting beat by guys like that, scoring goals from their knees with two Bruins around them and nobody lifting their stick. This, this is what will hurt you in a seven-game series. So, for me, that's where I come back to, defensive depth on the right side. I just don't know if it's deep enough. And it's been my, it's been my question mark with this team for a year now. After seeing, you know, listen, it's it's full five games, but just not deep enough on that side of, of of the ice, and that's concerning to me. Yeah, I think it's fair to say they're not deep enough there. I mean, who knows what kind of piece they need to add to it, but they got to add something to it. Uh, yeah, like I came out of this game thinking, like, like is, does Sam Reinhart figure something out? Because I know he was a high draft pick, and he never really lived up to the stock uh, in Buffalo. So I was thinking, like, is he is he finally figured something out, or is it just something that the Bruins are doing wrong defensively? And then you got uh, Mason Marchman scoring a goal in the first period, and this this Lusta Reinen goal, a two Lusta Reinen, I guess is how you, I don't know how to pronounce that name, but um, that that goal to me is where you know Clifton's limitations show up, and you know it's that's not even necessarily all his fault because he's just undersized, and you know he's he's not he's gonna have trouble defending the net front and. Like, I'm sorry. I think Derek Forbert did a good enough job on that play to keep, you know, Reinhardt, I think it was, all the way to the boards. 
and he was he was getting in the way, but Reinhardt was able to get the pass off, and then uh, Reinen fires at home because there's not enough of a presence to push him out of there. And I was just thinking, like, what if they had a Forbert type in, in front of the net there? And so I feel like they could use another piece like that, you know, a Forbert type on the right side, so to speak. Does that, is that fair? Yeah, I mean, who, but who's it going to be, right? Like, like, this is the problem they have where if it's not Clifton, it's going to be Zaboral. And if it's not Zaboral or Clifton, it's going to be John Moore. Like, right, they, right now. Like in, like, right now they don't have Yeah, it. like that's, that's what I mean. Like, internally, I mean, this team was not built to handle a single injury or in, inconsistency on the right side. And right now they're dealing with that, with, with Connor Clifton. He's not playing up to the level that they need him to be. You know, complain about Kevin Miller all you want. If Kevin Miller is out there, that goal probably doesn't happen because he's he knows I gotta body this guy out of the way. Like and, and that just didn't happen on that goal. And listen, these things are gonna happen. It's an 82 game season, but this is consistent now. This is three games in a row where Clifton has directly played a factor in a goal against. And this team uh, is not really built to handle that right now. With with so many moving pieces and things they're still trying to figure out, is that you need to be solid defensively. And I don't think that you're getting that right now out of that third pairing. Yeah, playing Clifton full-time is tough. Like, I think he's perfect if you, if you have him as the fourth right-shot defenseman or he's like your seventh defenseman. He comes in when you need a spark. Something like he's like that kind of player. I don't think he's like a full-time, I'm going to play 18 minutes at night starter and like and defend the front of the net like you need him to. And you know, there probably won't be as many games that are as tough as that one was because the Florida Panthers are so deep up front. But, yeah, I think that's concerning long-term. And, you know, we'll probably gonna, we're probably going to have to go through the list of right-shot defensemen they could trade for again. <laughs> like you said, you've been calling for this for over a year now. Um, I wanted to ask you about Sergei Bobrovsky because, you know, it seems like he's going to get a lot of credit for that game tonight. Uh, we came into the season wondering how much he has left even and, like, wondering about that contract they signed him to, uh, wondering about Spencer Knight behind him, good young goalie. Um, but it looks like he's really responded to that challenge. And, you know, he's, he's, he's stepped up, I thought. I mean, in the, the first half of that third period, the Bruins had some opportunities. And, you know, you could blame it on the Bruins, you know, just not burying the chance or not having the ability to finish there. But Bobrovsky also, I thought, made some good saves there to hold them off the, the scoreboard at key times. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe I guess maybe he's not as cooked as we thought he was. Yeah, I mean, this is the best he's looked since probably – the year that Columbus made their run to the second round and played the Bruins in, in 2019. So I'm impressed with him. I, I thought that he was, he was poised. He, he wasn't making any unnecessary uh, movements or lunges or desperation kind of moves. Like he was in tune, I think all game, like, you know, we'll talk about that Eric Holla save, uh, the Eric Holla breakaway save that, that he made. I think the Marshan stop in the second period is more impressive where you have, we have one of the game's best shooters from in tight, really prime scoring area. And he just gets a leg out there and gets, gets a piece of that. And yeah. know, it's over and done with. So that's a play uh, where you see Marshan. That's a play where you see Marshan bury a lot. Oh yeah. So, I mean, that, that was that's, a good that's, his, that's his wheelhouse. You know what I mean? That that's where he scores his goal. So uh, yeah, great game from Bobrovsky. Um, and, and really I thought he kind of made up for a lot of, uh, Florida's missteps tonight. I thought that Florida, they have an active defense, um, which makes them prone to odd man rushes. It makes them prone to giveaways. Yeah. Uh, Fl- yeah. Florida had 17 giveaways tonight. That's huge. That's a huge yeah. number. That feels like an Achilles uh, heel for them is like it's screwing up in the, in the neutral zone and making turnovers like that in that area. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And it's actually one of the, it's, it's funny. One of the things that Cassidy said this morning was um, he mentioned how he, he said, you know, they take chances, but they're getting saves right now. So you have, you have a lot of juice when you're, you can have that freedom to make plays, but you're confident that you're going to get a save the other end. I don't think this, I don't think this Florida team had that confidence last year that the Ross two is going to make that save. Now he is. So it's a big difference and it makes the team legit, you know, between he and Spencer Knight to get those saves. Uh, you saw it. I mean, they're not afraid to take chances and make plays. I mean, that Duclair goal. I mean, he catches the Bruins being a little bit overeager. They're trying to oh, yeah. match what Florida is doing. Yeah. Um, so, so you know, all around, it's just a lot of confidence in that Florida team right now. Yeah, they were playing with fire on that Duclair goal. Um, so, yeah, at the other end, Linus Allmark, I mean, you put that Duclair goal in the category of would have liked to save, but, you know, you can't, it's hard to blame that one on the goalie when you give up that breakaway with that turnover. And then the, the, the defense in front of him, I'm sorry, was not – 
it's not up to snuff right now. And so that's going to be tough on him. But um, I don't know. What did you make of Allmark tonight? Yeah, he was fine. I, I think the one I want to save on is probably the Marchment one. But at the same time, why is, uh, you know, why is Sam Reinhardt winning a battle uh, against your biggest forward, Charlie Coyle, and your second biggest defenseman, Derek Forport, uh, on right. one I was like, five, essentially. Why is I'll that say, happening? I'll say most of the game, like, why is Reinhardt such a pro? They keep calling Reinhardt's name. He's such an issue for them. Yeah, no, he's a guy who who I think got lost in the Buffalo fog. You know, like, he he's a guy who has a lot of skill, a lot of talent. He's, he's a player that everyone's gunning for Eichel. And, and I think a lot of people, there were a few people out there who were saying, no, no, get get Reinhardt. He's got the, the, he's got the ceiling. He's got like the, he can do it too, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and you're seeing it. It's, it's kind of like Taylor Hall with the Bruins, just Florida's version of it with, 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 uh, with, with Reinhardt here. I thought Jake DeBrusque had another good game. I mean, overall, I know we talked about Coil and well, I guess they're not on the same line now. Um, but yeah, it's hard to keep up with the, with the lines right now, but DeBrusque just seems locked in, you know, he was making plays to win battles and, create chances in front they just couldn't really finish it as much as they wanted so I mean what did you make of DeBrusque and tonight and you know so far yeah I think he's been good I, I think he he definitely has a, a, a fresh mind if that makes sense like he's not he doesn't have the baggage of last year following him still which I which I think is making a big difference in his play um I I would say that that he can give you a little bit more probably like scoring wise I, I, I he's been good don't yeah. get me wrong but but I think there's a bit more finishing there if you can unlock it yeah, uh, but that line as a whole, like, or that combo, Eric Halla and Jake DeBrus, I've liked what I've seen. They play a smart game. They play with pace. Um, you just want to see some more production at some point. And I, I think you'll see it eventually. Right now, they're fighting through it. Um, but now comes, yeah, you know, they, kind of building off that and getting something to show for it. Halla more than, than DeBrus. DeBrus has, been, has, has two goals. Halla, I think we're still waiting for that breakthrough to come here. We get some of the board and, and gets going. Yeah, I mean, that came close tonight, right? That looked like, that felt like that was going to be the one, but not quite. Uh, what about Stanika? Um, I thought, you know, I, I guess he, he shows you a little bit at the offensive end, but it's really the other two zones where he, I think he leaves a lot to be desired. I think he was, uh, you know, sort of softening up on a couple of those Panthers goals too. I forget which ones he was on the ice for, but um, I don't know. What do you make of him so far? Yeah, I mean, I like I like the play on the coil goal. Uh, you know, I think that was a, uh, he, he was where he needs to be on that one. Yeah, uh, that was, that was good offensively. You know, yeah, I, that, that was encouraging him. to see him win a battle like that in the corner. And he, it looked like he had two guys on him, if I remember correctly. So, yeah, he, this was a game where I think he started strong and he kind of faded t- towards the end, which uh, is going to happen in the NHL with, with younger players. Um, I, I, I'm, almost curious to see this line get another look like I, I kind of want them to stick with it for uh, Thursday in Carolina. I, I want to see if they can kind of build off it or maybe find some tweaks, find some adjustments. I think the the putting no sec with, with coil and hall has been okay, but I think ultimately you, you want and need to get a read on Jack Stepnika here. You know, he's 22. He's not exactly a 19 year old prospect. He's been around for a while. So you want to get a read yeah. on what he can and can't do. So, I do hope that even though it was a quiet ending, I, I hope that they give him another game uh, with that grouping personally. Do you think that bulking up in the off season, like this helped him at all? I think you've seen it. Like, I think you've seen it in stretches. Like you've seen it in, in his corner work. You've seen it. Yeah. I, I just, even at the dot driving to the net, things of that nature. Um, but it's, it's different doing it in the preseason against the half NHL squad versus doing it in October, November against, you know, full NHL rosters. So, so that's, I want to see if he can maintain that, right? And tonight, I think, was an example of him starting out strong and then fading. So if you can get rid of that fading, uh, they may have something here. So ultimately, he needs to either be a part of the the long-term solution or be used as a trade chip to acquire that long-term solution. I think we're in the thick of it right now in terms of finding out exactly what he can be for this team and if it works long-term. Yeah, I'm starting to think if they if they could trade him for a right defenseman, that would be nice. But um, maybe they don't have to to get a, like a, a third pairing guy. But um, I don't know. That's something to think about. Um, I, this is hard to this is hard to analyze just watching the game one time without going back and looking again. But like, what the Bruins got off to such a hot start, and so like, what did the what did the Panthers do to really stifle that? Like, really for the rest of the game, honestly, except for a little pocket in the start of the third period. 
you know, they really tightened things up after the Bruins had a hot start there. And I mean, yeah. the coil goal was honestly, it was a little bit of a blooper. Um, yeah. He just, no, he just threw it in front. Went, a Panther. Yeah. It went under, it went under Bob's pad and he didn't even notice it. So, um, yeah. but I don't know. What did the Panthers do to, to sort of slow them down? I think the Panthers, I think the Bruins came out swinging and I think it maybe this isn't, you know, X's and O's, but I think the, the Panthers were a little bit taken aback by how aggressive the Bruins came out of the gate. I, I know I was too. I was like, wow, this is, they're, they're going at them. Yeah. And then I think what happened is that winning that battle and getting the game time goal late in the first period gave the Panthers some confidence. It, it sort of knocked them back loose saying, okay, no, we can, we can do this. So I think there was a big believability factor. It's a confident team and maybe you had them on the ropes, but then they punch right back and now they see that you're wobbling and they attack. So I thought it was more more of that than anything else, right? Is that you see you see one of your teammates essentially outwork a five man unit, right, to create yeah. that game time goal. And I think now they have that juice that Cassie was talking about, where it's like they're a confident team. And when you're a confident team, a single bounce can change your entire night. So we've seen the Bruins with that, right? Like we've seen Marshan dummy an entire power play unit for a short yeah. goal, right? And next thing you know, it's sparking the Bruins on a comeback or it's sparking them to score three goals in 10 minutes. Like, so I think that's what you kind of saw uh, from the Florida point of view tonight more than anything else. Yeah, they got reason to be confident. They're a deep team, complete team, play well on both ends of the ice, um, maybe clean up the neutral zone turnovers a little bit, but they have reason to be confident. And I don't know, we'll see how, how much they're ready to win, but it looks like they're ready to win a lot of games in the regular season and then see how they do in the playoffs. So um, it was One an encouraging is- effort. Yeah. One thing that is concerning for me, and, and concerning might not be the right word, but the Bruins are not drawing power plays. This has been a problem now in almost every game. They are not drawing enough power play opportunities. And while it's good that you want to see them win games at five on five, their power play has been such a weapon for so many years. Uh, so what happens now, I do, think, is it, that, Do you think, what are they, are they doing something wrong tonight? Are they not being aggressive enough or something? I, I don't know. I, that, that, that would requ- that's going to require a deeper dive of watching, you know, like, okay, what are they calling versus what aren't they calling? I thought Taylor Hall got tripped uh, entering the attacking zone. I want to say it was in the, uh, I want to say it was in the second period and it went uncalled. Um, but, but they're just not getting the calls right now or not, dr- not working hard enough to draw opportunities. Yeah. Um, and that also that that I think is giving other teams momentum because the Bruins power play is such a momentum either generator or momentum killer uh, for them or for the opposition rather. So, so that, I think that's hurting them as well right now. So we'll see if they can shake that, that off. But think about it: the Bruins get their power play tonight. I want to say they only had one chance. They had, they had one or two. Either way, it gets killed because there's a, a two on one going the two on zero going the other way, and they take a penalty to deny what could have been a goal for Florida. So. Mm their power play is just not giving them momentum or giving them goals or even getting on the board right now with a chance. So that's a problem, I think, for the Bruins. Yeah, only, only three uh, power plays total between the two teams. Bruins had two, uh, okay, Panthers had, two, had yeah. one. So only three penalties called. Maybe it was, it was just a tightly called game tonight, but you sound like this is like a trend. Well, yeah, I'm, not- I'm just noticing that, that I, I don't have the numbers right in front of me. I can look them up real quick, but it just doesn't feel like they're getting on the board they're getting power play looks like I, f- I feel like they've had a few games now where they've only had one or two chances. Um, and, and again, that, that, that may be just the way it's being called right now and it'll, it'll come around at some point. Um, but I'm just, but I'm just not seeing, you know, enough opportunities uh, I think generated by this team, which I want to say has been good in the past. And this might not be helpful because they only played four games or five games <laughs> and it's compared and it's been eight months. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but NHL.com has them uh, dead last in NHL nine power play opportunities. Um, so tonight was tonight was their fifth game. So they got, they got two. So they now have 11. So they're now tied with uh, the flyers for the least, the fewest amount in the NHL. So we're five, five opportunity or 11 opportunities through five games. You know, it's five, that's 2.2 per game. It's not, not nearly enough. Uh, yeah. compared to what this team's done in the past. Feels like they could use a little more of that. At least get they need to get some reps. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> got to get some time out there for the power play. Um, so, yeah, that's all I got. You got any closing thoughts on the game before we call it a podcast here? No, no. I'd do it again uh, tomorrow night with Carolina. That game. Sure, yeah. Give me, give me a quick Carolina preview. 
Uh, this Carolina team's good, man. They, they, they lose Dougie Hamilton, and they're still a great defensive team with, with Slavin and, and, and Brent Pesci. Uh, they, they got some playmakers back there, guys who are, are three-zone threats, in my opinion. So uh, good team. Freddie Anderson's their goalie now. He looks way better. <laughs> this looks like Anaheim Freddie Anderson than, than it does Toronto Freddie Anderson. Imagine, so. imagine that. You got real defensemen in front of you, and people actually yeah, trying to yeah, play defense. Yeah. Ain't that something. So, so that's a good team too. Uh, Rod Brindamore, I think I've said this before, one of the best coaches in the NHL. So uh, you get your work cut out for you tomorrow night against uh, Thursday night against them. So we'll see how that goes. But I think that, I think they match up the Bruins do better against Carolina than they do Florida right now. So we'll see how that goes. I'm getting tired of the Southeastern United States taking over hockey. This is not right. Yeah. You know what? It's Batman's dream coming true 25 years later. Maybe it's one of those time travel things. Maybe we got to go back in time now and change the future somehow. I love these. I, I, talking about like time traveling and, and jerseys and whatnot. I love the old Panthers jerseys, but I love these red ones a whole lot. Yeah, I do like the new ones. New yeah. ones are nice, nice and sleek. I do like the old classic John Van Beesbrook ones, though, too. That, that's a oh, good point. I, yeah, the, uh, the they should bust tree. those out. Do they ever bust those out? I think it's like they reverse retros, I huh. want to say. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, it at least has that old logo. The Palm um, Tree Hockey Stick Sun logo is like one of my favorite secondary logos right. in the history of the league. So good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they do that right with the Florida Panthers. Sure, and they got a great hockey team this year. Uh, tough loss for the Bruins, and they got things to fix moving forward. But um, if you're at this point, if you've made it this far, listen to our podcast. Thanks. I love you. <laughs> it's the Sports Hub Underground Podcast. Thanks for listening to uh, everything that came before this Bruins-Panthers postgame. And uh, you're probably listening on Thursday, so the Bruins play the Carolina Hurricanes Thursday night. So enjoy that game, and uh, hopefully we've got better things to talk about with the Bruins next time we talk. But uh, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>